-hmm. Now, more than ever, companies are under the spotlight. Consumers are demanding to know what companies are investing in, what they stand for. And with social media, they're able to look this information up and everybody has an opinion, right? Everybody can voice their thoughts on social media and instantly it's out in the world. In fact, consumers, we as buyers are even standing behind brands that we believe in and defending them and to the point of even trying to bring down some companies based on their decisions. And so in this episode, which is exciting for Janet and I, we are going to talk about an Accenture study that outlines this, how consumers are no longer looking at companies just as companies, but as brands and brands that they are a part of. Welcome to the Creating Responsible Companies podcast, the only podcast that makes corporate social responsibility easy. Now, here are your hosts, Barbara Anderson and Janet Craig. Welcome to episode nine of the Creating Responsible Companies podcast. We call this episode Company Purpose and CSR. Hi, I'm Janet Craig, and I'm one of the founding partners of Destination Better. And I'm Barbara Anderson, the other founding partner of Destination Better, the company bringing you Creating Responsible Companies. And you know, I get really excited anytime we talk about data. Everybody knows that. Anybody <laughs> yeah. who's listened to this podcast Perfect. knows that. Because truly, when we started talking about this and Barbara brought this to us to do a, a podcast on it, I thought it was just brilliant. So thank you for bringing sure. that. Is that well, you and I have personal belief systems and we know that people have personal belief systems because they're voting with their consumer dollars. But the cool thing about this Accenture report is that they really put some data behind it. They so do. listeners, if you're listening and you want to get the attention of someone in your leadership who says, you know, because you want them to, I don't know, take corporate social responsibility a little bit more seriously, this would be a really good thing to forward to them. Mm -hmm. And thank you to Accenture too for putting this report together. So the report is from late 2018 and the data behind it is from late in 2018. I think they ran the report gathering like August through October or something. So this is not old data, people. This is really fresh. And it's called To Affinity and Beyond From Me to We the rise of the purpose-led brand. So before we dig in, as always, we'll have a downloadable worksheet for you guys so that you can put this information to work today. And uh, so there's that. And then also the goal of this study was really just to kind of how identify how consumer expectations are evolving, just like what you were talking about, Barbara, and how companies can capitalize on this to achieve kind of a whole new identity and really match the expectations of what people are looking for today. Yeah. And it wasn't a simple little study, was it? It was a global study with about 30,000 responses. So this is really good quality data as Accenture always has. In fact, they found that 62% of customers want companies to take a stand on current and broadly relevant issues like sustainability, transparency, or fair employment practices. So the conclusion, as we'll get to the end of this, but the closer a company's purpose aligns to the consumer's own beliefs, the better, the better for the company and their profitability, and the better for the consumer in feeling good about the products that they're buying. Absolutely. And when we first talked about covering this report, and the report is really around purpose, what we found was, and we talk a lot about this in our practice and our business and with our clients and, and with the people that listen to our podcast, is that there are a lot of different words that describe 
responsible company practices. Mm-hmm. And one of them is purpose. One of them is corporate social responsibility, sustainability, corporate citizenship. But that purpose that needs to be aligned to what your company is actually doing in its communities, how it operates, it is totally aligned with corporate social responsibility. So that's why we wanted to cover this today. So this is the really cool thing that they started with is who does your brand really belong to? And mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So when you and I are growing up, Barbara, <laughs> there was like a newspaper. That's right. Yeah. Three channels, three network channels in the yellow pages. Right. So back in in advertising and communications, and maybe people remember that old Dustin Hoffman movie called Wag the Dog. Companies could wag the dog. They controlled everything. And that just doesn't happen anymore. Right. It was a one way message. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so now it can't be a one way message because we have this rapid transfer of information on things like Yelp. Everybody, you know, you have to Instagram and all the social media channels. And with the Generation Z who are so fiercely loyal, they're reading, they're researching, they want to get down to the truth. A brand just doesn't belong to a company anymore. It belongs to the community. And I thought that was a really interesting way that they stated that in this report. Well, I just thought of another (laughs) channel of communication when we were growing up that our younger listeners may not know about. It was called the party line. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Where people would share a telephone line. Like if Mabel next door was on the phone when you picked up your receiver, (laughs) you couldn't make a call because she was on the phone. She was on the line. So I guess that was another way people could talk about companies on the party line. (laughs) I guess, I guess that's the, I guess social media is the new party line. But, um, but yeah, I thought that was really interesting that it's a good kind of goes back to what we know and what we've talked about is that a brand doesn't belong to a brand anymore. It belongs to everyone. Right. It's kind of like an ecosystem, right? It's uh, it's who works for the company. It's who is involved in the community, maybe where that product or service is made. It's who consumes the product. And there are and, a lot of advantages to that, too. And we're mm-hmm. going to talk about that later, about how to, how to really use that ecosystem and that community that kind of, whether you like it or not, kind of drives your brand and drives your company about how to take advantage of that. And we've talked, uh, as Janet did earlier, too, about the term purpose. And so there's somewhat a a little bit of a controversy, you know, is it like the the thing or is it kind of maybe even come and gone? But it's really what a company stands for in terms of its corporate social responsibility. And we talk about that, especially as it involves when we talk about environment, social and governance, the three components of corporate social responsibility. The social piece, I always talk about that magic intersection of what a company uniquely provides and what the community uniquely needs. And so that's kind of fulfilling your purposes by investing in that space and coming up with what you're going to invest in financially, what you're going to put your resources behind, maybe even like your government affairs and what messages you're going to give to your legislators. So purpose, if we had to define it in our terms, is really how a company lives out its CSR and is really their CSR or sustainability strategy. Mm -hmm. And then from the governance perspective, too, one of the things that Accenture pulled out in this report is, and I'm going to read directly from the report, is that we can't overlook the intangible components of a brand's essence, such as culture, transparency, and ethical values, and those being particularly important. Because a lot of those things really, honestly, culture, I think there was a, an EY report that came out last year that said that a company's value is about 52% of it is based on its culture. 
And when we talk about that governance and we talk about how decisions are made, how decisions are made to even create purpose within a company, right? That comes from the top and it trickles all the way down and throughout your company and then out through all those social media channels and the, the community that is really surrounding your brand. And it's a huge opportunity for companies to create stronger and more resilient customer relationships. And so what that means is when we talk about the bottom line, the triple bottom line, the financial part of it, especially over the lifetime of that customer back to the company. And even at a minimum, a meaningful and relevant purpose can increase the likelihood that customers will give companies a second chance if trust is otherwise tarnished. And later, I'll tell an example of me actually living that out. So we're going to dig into some of the important statistics. Um, and as Janet said, her favorite four-letter word is data. And so we're going to dig into some of that. And, and I'll kick it off here that when in the Accenture study, when asked uh, the 30,000 or so uh, consumers that they talked to, they asked, what attracts you to buy from certain brands over others? beyond price and quality. So why do you select? And, and hopefully, as our listeners are hearing this, they're thinking about brands that they're really loyal about, right? They're really passionate about and they'll defend. So they found that about 50% of the respondents, when asked what attracts you to buy from certain brands over others, they really appreciate brands that stand up for societal and cultural issues that they believe in. So as a consumer, what do you believe in and what products do you gravitate to as a result of the company standing up for it? They also said 50% said that if the brand supports or acts upon causes we have in common, for example, charitable causes or social causes, we think about products that they give us a percentage back to a certain cause, that'll help consumers make a decision to purchase that product. And then last is a brand that stands for something bigger than just the products and services it sells, especially if they align to their personal values. So it's a... Uh, as we said earlier, it's not just the quality and price that they're making selections on, is it? And there is some stronger data that Janet's going to go into. Yeah. So 66% of the respondents, and by the way, the survey covered over 35 countries, I think 35, yeah, that's 35 right. countries. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the U.S. 66% said the brand has a great culture and it does what it says will do and it delivers on its promises. 66%. That's incredible. Oh. And that goes back to that that culture report that I just love. Maybe we'll do a podcast on that culture report one oh, day. 66% say that the company is transparent. So it's transparent with where it sources its materials, where how it treats employees fairly, those kinds of things. So there's social and environmental aspects of what's happening inside your company, inside your supply chain. We talk a lot about enslaved labor and human trafficking, mm -hmm. which is kind of an ugly subject to talk about, but we have to talk about it. And then other things, the environmental impacts of material sourcing and just how human beings are being treated in your supply chain. They want to know that you're, you're uncovering areas where you may need to correct course and you're talking about your plans to do so. Yeah. And I would even say in the everyday benefits that they might provide to their employees, right? How good are those benefits and are they really standing with their employees while they are part of their company? Mm -hmm. Exactly. 65% want to know that the companies are treating its employees well. 62% mm -hmm. believe in reducing plastics and improving the environment. So we were talking when we were talking about this report 
we know that a lot of people may say, well, gosh, I'm just a small, medium business, or I don't produce plastics in my business. So why should I be worried about that? You're always using plastics in your business. You use plastics every day. I would love to be plastic free. I don't think that'll ever happen. I don't think that's possible. Right? But I bet if you look around and you see that there are some things that you're using in your company that maybe you could get rid of. And even if it's something really small, you can still do that. And somebody's going to be thankful for you that you did that. And... What else? The last two are the brand has ethical values and demonstrates authenticity in everything it does. Consumers and employees can sniff out (laughs) when when they're trying to have the wool pulled over their eyes. We call it greenwashing. Or even if a brand goes, we're so great, you know, we do X, Y, Z. But if they really don't or they really don't believe it or they just picked a cause and they're just running with it, it has to be more than that, which we'll talk about here in a minute. And then the last one is the brand is passionate about its products and services. So it's not just pitching something. It's really standing behind it wholeheartedly and believing in the product or service that's being sold. So what can people do about this? How can they act on this data? So it's one thing that Janet and I always say is that companies are doing great things. They aren't telling their stories. This is an opportunity to communicate not just about what the product and services, but really, who are you as a brand? What do you stand for? And there's a ton of different ways to do that. So it's not just as Janet said, it's just not this one way communication, but it's bringing stakeholders into the fold to talk about products and services. It's about getting information from them. It's about being in your communities and listening to what people say about your company. It's really hands-on engagement, but it also could be even over social media, do some polls. So there's a lot of ways, but it's all about communications. I love that Accenture calls these ecosystems. And it says, and I'm reading from the report, clearly ecosystems are becoming a mainstream. There's no reason companies shouldn't apply an ecosystem strategy to scale the relevance of a brand or broadcast its purpose to a larger audience. I am thrilled when I receive stakeholder engagement surveys for companies that really want my input. And I know that at the end of that engagement survey, it says, do you want us to contact you? I'm like, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Of course, I want you to contact me. You're a data junkie. (laughs) No, but it's, or like there was a company that I worked with a, a really long time ago that they have a bunch of different lines of businesses. And one of the coolest things that they did was they had like a community board that they put together. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of those things that they had so many different types of businesses. Some of them were had very heavy environmental things that were going on. And then some of them were a little bit more social. Some of them were really high tech. And some of them had land use involved. And so they really wanted to know what was on top of the mind of the people that not only are just in their communities directly there, and they had operations all over the country, But they brought this community board in and it was a really big deal. And I think that a lot more companies may want to just think about doing that. And yes, it's very different than than I think how boards would boards of directors or senior leadership say, oh, gosh, we're so afraid. What if they tell what if they tell us something, you know, that we don't want to hear? Well, you probably need to hear it's it. It's better to hear it from them. And these are yeah. not formal boards like your boards of directors, yeah. but more sounding boards, right? Yeah, like and, groups of stakeholders well, and suppliers and things like that. Yeah, and Disney even has like the mom board, right? Yeah, how, I have a friend who's yeah. on the mom board. 
So talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) It was a really big deal. Yeah. So she's on the mom board and gosh, we should have her on one day. She's amazing. (laughs) So you can apply to be on the Disney mom board. And then they put this board together so that multiple generational family members would have someone to go to and say, okay, we're bringing a baby. Okay. With somebody on the mom board who's got a newborn and loves Disney, they're going to show you like the best Mm. things that you can do. If you're bringing a grandparent along, somebody on the mom board knows about what to do at Disney if you're bringing wow. a... Yeah, it's an amazing thing. And they would spend thing. time with the, the guest the, Absolutely. of Disney. Yes, wow. it's amazing. Talk about engagement. It's the co- I've got goosebumps. It's the coolest thing. And the person who's on that board, I, I'm so sorry, I can't say her name right now because I don't have her permission, but <laughs> I'll make sure she listens to this. But it's a really cool thing. And she loves giving back. It's a really big deal for them. And Boy, it's made a difference. engagement and, with yeah, your brand, and some for people's sure. Lives. For sure. Okay. Communications. On the Accenture report, they broke down the communications into these three guiding principles. So we make it sound so easy. To a community board, get on the Disney mom board, a little bit more complicated. But Accenture broke it down into three guiding principles. I think that they're brilliant. And the first one is just be human, Mm -hmm. right? Just be human. Companies are always looking for new ways to engage their customers in activating that purpose-led brand because it is going to become a competitive differentiator and it also makes bottom line sense. So what do you need to do? You got to establish emotional connections with people. And whether that's through social media or something like the Disney mom board, oh my gosh, man, they knocked it out of the park with that. But that communications is key because 64% of consumers find brands that are actively communicating their purpose more attractive. So if you're not doing it, you're missing the boat. And then also know when to say, I'm sorry. Sometimes people also call this correcting course, like, oh gosh, we need to correct course Mm -hmm. here, right? And saying I'm sorry is equally important as it is with things like when you have data breaches. Yeah, it reminds me of Target, Janet, when um, I'm passionate about Target for a number of reasons. I love their product, their service, how they give back. They're good at communicating their 5%. They used to have a program where they could you could actually submit for your school district or I think even your exact school so that every time I bought my 5% went to my kid's school. And so that was important. And so when they did have a data breach, I felt like they were a victim and I trusted that they were going to fix the situation. I didn't stop shopping there. I got a new credit card and I think Target is a good exemplary company in that space. In fact, this study said that 42% of consumers will give a company a second chance if they apologize. And so that's important. And with data breaches this day, unfortunately, it's it's almost a daily occurrence mm-hmm. of companies being targeted. So of the three guiding principles, the second one is to be clear and authentic, according to Accenture. I think it's uh, if we each think amongst our own buying experiences that we don't fall for insincere attempts at pulling heartstrings, you know, <laughs> the, the drama music at Christmas time when the commercials come out. But we do, however, reward authenticity, strong leadership and outspokenness. And this really, like everything we say in terms of corporate social responsibility, it has to come from the top of the organization. The leadership has to be completely in. And I can say that firsthand from having some initiatives that when the leadership was in, boy, watch out, there was all kinds of things could get done. And it was genuine and authentic. And when you can inspire the leadership uh, with an initiative, then it's going to go great. But 
the leaders have to make it clear to the employees. It can't be just something that in the executive suites that they're rolling out some program. It has to be something and it has to align with the employees and the culture of the company and it has to make sense for them. And so when I think of alignment with the employees, I think as a customer of Costco, the warehouse company, these people are passionate about where they work. They like where they work and they're working in a a warehouse right on concrete floors, not a pretty environment, no Nord Strums here, no Macy's, um, but they love what they do and it comes through and it's you can always expect a good experience there. And it's one of the best places to work. And it's hard to get a job there, I think, um, for Super all of those turnover, reasons. Right? right? Super low turnover, right? Super low Yeah, which yeah, we sure. know is a huge either plus or minus in the bottom line in terms yeah. of retention of talent. Yeah, for sure. And that goes back to that culture, right? Right. This is some, they like the fit. They like the culture. They like that they're being taken care of. Mm-hmm. They're going to stick around for a long time because this is, you know, it's a good, it's a good place to, good place to be and a good fit for them. And another example, Janet, that comes to mind is Procter & Gamble. And this is the huge company or P&G, a lot of people call them. They have just hundreds of products and brands and like in healthcare, they have NyQuil in oral. I grew up on Crest and it's still a brand that's they've kept relevant for home care. They've got Tide and for babies, they've got Pampers and Loves. And so these are household names, right? At least in the U.S. And they're in terms of their CSR, they have a tagline called doing what's right. So that's their focus is doing what's right. It's pretty simple, right? And so you trust that they're going to make the right decisions. And they outline a number of initiatives they have in terms of environmental sustainability, community impact, where they give diapers. They partner with nurses in the NICUs and the neonatal intensive care unit for premature babies. They're focused on gender equality and actually state their goals. They've got a goal of 50-50 in the workplace for men and women to have a 50% breakdown. And they ran a campaign called Hashtag Like a Girl, which was really fun, right? You know, and you think of used to be do it like a girl was a bad thing. But now it's like, hey, I'm a girl. You know, I do this like a girl and I'm proud of it. They're also focused on diversity and inclusion and have a commitment to that and to hashtag be cruelty free, calling for an end to animal testing and cosmetic products globally. So by those few things, when we think about all of these brands that if you look at the back and it has Procter & Gamble or P&G on the back, you have a sense for what that company stands for. In fact, in their 2019 annual report. I'm going to read from this because it totally supports this uh, Accenture article. It wasn't in the article, but it says, our strategy starts with noticeable superiority across all elements of our consumer proposition. Products, packaging, brand communication, retail execution, both in-store and online, and consumer and customer value. This strategic choice is holistic. It recognizes that consumers don't focus on one element of a brand only. Consumers interact with the whole brand, the product, package, what we say, and how we feel about the brand, how they experience it in the store and online, and whether it truly creates value versus the alternative he or she has. When these elements are taken together, they drive category growth, prevent commoditization, and provide the basis to build sustainable competitive advantage, end quote. And so in their annual report that they give to their shareholders, they're saying our brands aren't just what we make, right? It's how we interact with our consumers and how 
it's a competitive advantage of everything that they're doing. And so the end result for um, this example is that in 2019, out of the 10 product segments that they're in, they grew in nine of the 10. And they have an average uh, year over year increase of 5% in every geographic region that they're in. So use this as an example. This Don't take this lightly. This is an investment in the long term in engaging with customers, whether you want to call it purpose or you want to call it CSR, it pays off. Absolutely. And I think one of the ways that it really pays off is through that ecosystem that Accenture was talking about. So the third part of the third guiding principle that they talk about in the report is being creative. And this is one of a really cool thing about doing business in the world today is that we're globalized, right? We've got partners all over the world, got supply chains that are just crazy. And you have to be a little bit creative to figure out what your ecosystem is. You know, take a look at who your stakeholders are, who's owning your company, who's buying from you, who's working at your company, who's in your supply chain, and really take a look at that and figure out what problems you want to solve. What is at the top of the mind of those stakeholders that we just listed so that you can drive what they call competitive agility? And that is your ability as a company to bend and grow and move and be nimble so that you can kind of flex and and respond. But we don't want you to just respond. We want you to lead, right? Just like the example that you just gave. So a couple of examples they call out in the report is crowdsourcing schemes to find new innovations. It's one of my favorite things. The couple of companies that I used to work with, it's Xerox. We used to have the Earth Awards internally. I'm not sure if they still do those, but man, people came up with some amazing ideas that save the company hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Apple had some really cool things that people did that they brought forth. We've worked with small businesses that have had some great supply chain partnerships to reduce the plastics in their business. There's all kinds of ways that you can build that kind of ecosystem and get your purpose driven all the way down through every part of the operation of your company so that you can just be more responsible and make some more money and be. (laughs) And by virtue of people even responding to like a crowdsourcing or a survey question or something, that's that much further engagement that they are then that much more invested in the brand. Yeah. So Barbara's got some really cool examples from a company that actually now is headquartered in your hometown. Small hometown in Norwich, New York, Chobani. And we've interacted with some of the people in their uh, CSR team. Really great. Super passionate. I think actually one of the ladies like it brought tears to our eyes talking about the farmers that they source from and some of the challenges that they have. But they really built their brand on experiential marketing and going to festivals and handing out samples and listening to people and hearing feedback. And in fact, they have a dedicated team that goes around 52 weeks a year to to engage with their customers. And so they've really built their brand on that, giving a firsthand experience to their product. In fact, Maria Veronina, did I say that right? I hope I got that right, Maria. She's the brand manager for Giovanni in Australia. And in a survey, she said that a consumer is no longer someone who is sitting at a TV watching commercials. 
It's no longer a one-way street. It's a dialogue, end quote. And so I think she just hit the nail on the head that this Chibani brand is something that people are interacting with. They feel good that it's sourced locally, that they feel good about the product and quality. And they even, Chibani, I know, has even sponsored college students who have ideas to bring them forward. And the founder of Chibani sees that he had an opportunity to be innovative and it paid off for him. And so he wants to provide those opportunities for others. So I'm a big fan of Chibani yogurt. And plus, it tastes darn good. See, he figured out what his (laughs) ecosystem was. He's done just an amazing, what an amazing leader. What an, uh, it just, that company just blows me away. Well, yeah. And on top of that, they built their factory in upstate New York and Norwich, New York, totally revitalized the community. It was a vacant factory for a number of years. And so on top of that, created a ton of jobs in the local community. And And a really short supply chain too. Yeah. And this has not been, you know, this hasn't been 50 years in the making. It's in the last 10 or 20 years that they've done this. So, yep. So one more thing that the wonderful person from Chibani, Maria Vornina, she said, great brands are built by individuals with purpose, vision, and single-mindedness. We are no longer in an environment where it's all about blind consumption. It's about consumption with purpose. And it's just so true. Mm-hmm. So Accenture's conclusion to this report, and thanks for hanging out with us today That's while right. we talk this through, because it's so much fun to talk about, is this, um, stand up to stand out. I just, I love this report. By standing for something bigger than what they sell, tuning into customers' beliefs and taking decisive action, companies have the chance to recast their customer relationships, connect with customers on a deeper level. It's just amazing. And so instead of focusing on just seeing the customer as a buyer, focus on creating that community of loyal, engaged, valuable brand stakeholders. Because guess what? Your brand is out there in the community. They own it already, mm-hmm. right? That's right? Let's hold hands together and make it really amazing. So all working together to usher in the next era of engagement and competitiveness. I just love it. So as we talk through this report and we talk through some of our favorite companies mm-hmm. that have done some really great things, um, we know that you're probably thinking, oh, geez, what do I do with this now? <laughs> What can I do with this great information? Do and, do, this? and we're here to make CSR easy. So That's, we've got you covered. That is our job. So we have some homework for you people. The first thing that you can do is you can go back and listen to our episode five, which is CSR made easy in three steps. And we just kind of walk through how to get your head wrapped around what this is for your company. And you can use that to share. There's a download. You can go download the sheet, share it get some people on board. Here's an idea. Have a meeting and just talk with some people about it. Talk Mm -hmm. to your leadership about it. So that's the first thing. There's some really good ways that you can kind of get your focus on on what the impacts are of your company and some finding out some really fun ways that you can be a little bit more innovative. And then on the communication part, we did a three-part series on communicating. Episode six is communicating CSR internally. And then episode seven is communicating CSR externally. And then episode eight was communicating CSR to investors, shareholders, and just company owners. They're all very different audiences and they're all looking, they consume information differently. They're looking for different information. They're looking for it in different ways. So start with CSR Made Easy in three steps. Episode five. Episode five. But we really wanna hear what you discover. That's right. And it's such an opportunity, as we said, to tell their story. But 
for leaders of companies or even employees of companies, it's an opportunity to leave a legacy, to identify what it is that your customers care about, what your employees care about, invest in that. And that's that sense of purpose, whatever you want to call it, purpose or CSR or sustainability or corporate citizenship. It's a huge opportunity to do a number of good things. And we believe that companies have the resources to solve a lot of the ills in the world. And so this is one way to do it. So we'll link to this Accenture study and also to the episodes that Janet referenced so that you can use some of these tools. We put a lot of work into them and have made them simple enough, but I think robust enough for any company to use. And uh, so tap into episodes five, six, seven, and eight. You can go to destinationbetter.com and then slash the episode number. So this one would be destinationbetter.com slash nine. So we hope you enjoyed this. Hope you can put it to good use and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Creating Responsible Companies podcast. Find tools and additional episodes on our website, destinationbetter.com. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover, leave a voice message on our contact page. Don't worry, Barbara and Janet aren't millennials. They actually listen to voicemails. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. 